as we get into the word today, that what was given is going to line up right with what we're talking about. That's how God works. He just confirms it with other, other things and other people. Amen? That's what the church is called to do. It's decent and it's in order. Right? It's the gifts of the Spirit. We should see these things. We're going to see these things more and more. Amen? I believe Jesus is coming back sooner than we think. I mean, it's upon us. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, and we're going to get it. We'll probably do a mini series on Jesus coming back because I think we need to be reminded regular. Look at the signs. Look what God's put in the earth to remind us, hey, this is real. This works. This is follow the signs. Amen. Jesus is coming back. We need to be reminded about that regular. Then the Bible says that as the coming of his son draws near, that there'll be a greater awakening in the earth, greater revival, greater moves of the spirit. We get to see the full manifestation of God's power in the earth because he cares about the fruit of the earth, not the apples and the grapes and the tomatoes. He cares about the people, the fruit of the earth. And he's trying to get our attention. Amen. You ever, you remember a time when God got your attention? You were like, whoa, whoa. He got my attention right there. Thank you, Lord. He does that for all mankind. Guess who he uses to do it? You and me, right? So we're supposed to be ready. Amen. Ready for the coming of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Can I hand you that? Thank you very much. God is good. Isn't he? You guys figuring that out? All the time, right? Man, he is. I'm so grateful. I'm going to try the kickstand today and see if that works. That's not too distracting for anybody, is it? (laughs) We'll try the kickstand on the computer. We've been in a series of what are we? Are we his disciple? Are we his disciple? Or are we a believer only? And a believer's good. Believers make it to heaven. But God has something more for believers, and it's to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, you didn't get to pick where you were born. Did you figure that out? God picked you for where you were born, right? He put you in this age, this time. You could have been born in the 1100s. Rough, right? But you weren't. You were born in this age, right? Where we got warm showers. Everybody say amen for that. That's good news, right? We got picked for this time. And the reason is, is because it's the end of the end. Man, come on now. God saw something in you to be born in this time to accomplish his purpose right before Jesus comes back. That's good news. That's exciting for us. We've got a great cloud of witnesses, people that have gone before us, cheering us on, saying, oh, they got the end. They got the end assignment. Go get them. Jesus is coming. It's good news. But we've got we've to buckle down and, and discipline ourselves to be disciples of, followers of, imitators of our master, of Jesus. Man, is that important. It's so important. You have a job to do. You have a job to do. Man, we've got people to reach. If you lead one person to Jesus, it's worth it. There's more than that, but man, that's worth it. Somebody not going to hell just because you told them about Jesus, just because you lived out in front of them what it looks like to be a true believer and a disciple. Come on now. That is the greatest reward we can get is people in heaven because we were obedient to follow after the Lord. Man, that's important. So important. Turn with me if you will to John chapter eight. You guys ready for the word? Thank you, Lord. Glad my amanders are here today. Telling you, that just encourages me, gets me going. Thank you, Lord. We've been through this text, but it's John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. And it says, Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him. So they're believers. 
They're believers. He said, if you abide in my word and you, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. The Amplified says, so Jesus was saying to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, continually obeying my teaching and living in accordance with them, then you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth regarding salvation and the truth will set you free from the penalty of sin. So we quote that verse, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. But there's a predicating verse, preceding verse that is very important to that. He said, if you'll abide in my words and you'll continue in those teachings, right? Then you're my disciples and then you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. We can quote the truth will make you free all day long. But if we're we're not in the word, right? If we're not checking out what he had to say, this isn't about rules and regs. We had that in the law before we were born. The law was rules and regulations. We could never live up to that. That's why Jesus came. He satisfied the law. He's not asking us to be perfect. He's asking us to strive to be continually mature, growing, and increasing in the knowledge of the Lord. You and I are going to be judged by the Lord Jesus Christ by his standard. By his standard. He's going to ask us, did you do what I asked you to do? By his standard. We're not qualified to judge other people. We've been through that. We've been through that series. We're not, we're not judging other people, right? There's a reason why stuff goes on in the earth. We are supposed to look at ourselves, but we're going to be judged by a standard. And he's going to ask us, did you do what I asked you to do? Did you do what I asked you to do? There's a standard he's asking us to uphold. And what's interesting is, is that every time he gives us something to do in this, it's for our benefit. It keeps us out of trouble. It keeps us on a path that's good and right and just. When we stray, we find our own paths. That's when we get in trouble. It's not, it's not to just make little robots out of us. It's for our benefit so that we can be more effective in the kingdom, more effective for his glory. Amen? It's so true. Sin, we've just, we've just done this thing with sin where we kind of dance around it a little bit. We, we, uh, we categorize sin, right? We let these are big and these are little. And you know, some things are okay and some things are not. I'm telling you, sin is not okay. And when we're judged before the Lord, we're judged for what we know. There's a whole bunch of people that are believers that just don't know very much about following after the Lord. They're still learning. Baby Christians, either by ignorance or just not in the right place to learn more about the Lord. But what we're responsible for is the light that we have, the truth that we have, what he's given us, what he's telling us, That's what we're responsible for. That's what we're responsible for. So we can't get upset and offended when we think somebody's not doing what we think they should do. They may not have seen it yet. They may not have seen it yet. We just got to believe that the eyes of their understanding, Ephesians, Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3, the prayers that Paul prays for the church, that the eyes of their understanding will be enlightened because they don't see. When you're dealing with not-headed people and they're doing not-headed things, it's because they don't see it. They don't see it. There's a world full of Christians that do not think about eternity at all. That's just, whenever that happens, it'll get here. We live differently as believers because we know what's coming. I've told you this before, but my, my kids ask questions about heaven because we talk about it. I mean, it's not like an everyday subject, but we, you know, it's matter of fact for us. And they ask, well, you know, what are we going to do if we don't get to get married or we don't have kids or we don't get to accomplish this? I'm like, I tell them, you're not going to miss anything down here. It's better there. You're not going to live 100 years and then 
do something else, you're going to live forever. What can you accomplish in a hundred years? What if you lived a thousand years? It's going to happen. How much will you know when you're alive for a million years? <laughs> Come on, now this is the reality of living forever. We got to think about this. And what we do right now is training. We're in faith school. We're learning how to be trained and follow after the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we're going to be judged by a standard. He's going he's to ask us the stuff that you knew to do, were you doing it? That's why I'm excited about this series because this series in of itself, how to be a disciple, is not for baby Christians all by themselves. If you're young in the Lord, baby Christians, you can get stuff out of this. This is meat talk. He's trusting us with some meat of the word. Strong, something that'll build some bones, create some maturity, help you grow up, right? We gotta, we gotta look at ourselves and say, I need to change. There's some things I need to change. Yeah? <laughs> A little soapbox there. I'm telling you, there's some change coming. Y'all gotta get ready. It's worth it. We are imitators of the teacher, right? They forsook all, they followed him. That's, we've gotta just be willing to say, okay, God, I'm laying it down. Show me what you want me to do, I will do it. Man, he can use people like that. He can use people like that, right? And I'm telling you, this is going to take you some time. You're not going to be able to plant a flag in the ground next Tuesday and say, ta-da, made it. I have arrived. It's not going to happen. This is a process. It's something we got to work at and work toward. And the truth that we have now, we need to make sure we're doing that. Everything I see to do that I know to do to follow after the Lord, to be diligent and to be a disciple, I need to be doing that. I need to be following him, spending time with him, hearing from him, doing what's right, being kind. Amen? It's important. <laughs> Amen. Luke chapter 14, would you? Go with me there. Luke chapter 14. I encourage you guys, if you've got Bibles, bring them. Bring them, turn those pages, bring your print, pens and your highlighters. <clears throat> Sometimes, well, let me say this, many times when you're hearing the word, whether it's for me or somebody else, God will speak things to you that are for you. You'll be hearing something on the inside and you need to write that stuff down. We need to value what God tells us enough to write it down because you will not remember it, right? You can't even remember what you had for breakfast two days ago, right? So if you think you're gonna remember what's being said to you on a regular basis in church and hear from him, you're fooling yourselves. You need to write some stuff down, amen? And then go back and look at it and say, okay, Lord, what, what else were you saying about that? Amen? Luke 14. Verse 16 says, and he said to them, a certain man gave a great supper and he invited many. You remember the scripture from last week? He invited many and he invited a man and they were like, I'm too busy, I'm too busy. I got stuff going on, I can't make it. And he was like, fine, I'm going after the people that aren't too busy, that want to come to the supper. And he went after him. Guess what? He filled the place up. He filled it up. I'm not too busy. Say that, I'm not too busy. Come on now, God's calling. Supper's ready. And then it says in verse 27 and 14, it says, and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me, he cannot be my disciple. And verse 33 says, so likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciples. Come on now. There's something about taking up the cross. And we talk about this word suffering. We talked about this a little bit. We touched on it just a little bit last week. Suffering. It's such a harsh word. And the Bible talks about Christians, believers, that will suffer for the sake of Christ, but we cannot lump all suffering into suffering for Jesus. If you're broke, it's not, you're not suffering for Jesus. If you're sick, you're not suffering for Jesus. The suffering for Jesus is, in fact, 
suffering because you are following Jesus. Somebody, some along the way, is not going to like your opinion. They are not going to like that you love Jesus and that you believe there is a heaven and a hell and that people are going to hell and people are not going to hell and going to heaven. They, they do not like that conversation at all. You will, you will absolutely experience some suffering in your life when you serve Jesus unashamedly, unabashedly, and this is me. You're going to experience some suffering. And when, they say, when the Bible says, take up your cross and follow Jesus, what was crucified? What of Jesus was crucified? It was his flesh, right? There's some discipline we're going to have to do in our flesh if we're going to follow Jesus, right? <laughs> we got to say no to some things and yes to others. And that's not always easy, right, CrossFit? That is not always easy. That's brutal sometimes. And you're thinking, why am I doing this? There's a reward for it. True? There's a reward for it. We've all experienced this in our lives. When you start eating better, come on now, I'm stepping on some toes here. Lean out. When you start eating better and you cut back the sugar and the carbs that turn to sugar, your body goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you doing? And then about two days later, you're like, I feel good. What have I been eating? Come on now. There's something that happens when we crucify our flesh. You're going to have to say no to some things. Come on. That's the suffering he's talking about. Do not lump all suffering into suffering for the cause of Christ. That is a trick of the enemy to get us to believe that God somehow is playing games with us and it gets us out of faith to believe him to help meet our needs, which he promised he would do. It gets us out of faith to believe him to heal our bodies, which he promised he would do. And it's done, right? It's true. So we've got to believe the right stuff. What does the word say? What would it look like if we treated our Bibles like we treat our cell phones? <gasps> I left my phone. Turn the car around. Go back. I can't be without it. What if we opened our Bible as much as we opened our phone? What would your life look like when you went, you know what? I'm going to check and see what God said about that. I guarantee it'd be different. And I guarantee you'd probably experience some persecution. Oh, that religious fanatic. Ugh. Every time he turns around, he's quoting the Bible, looking at the Bible. You're going to receive some persecution for that kind of stuff, but your life will be better for it. And at some point, they're going to go, now, what, what are you doing again? Because I like where your life's going. I like how your family's acting. I like what's going on in your life. What are you doing? Let me show you the manual. Oh, is it that? Yeah, it works. Right? It works. Good night. <laughs> whoever will lose his, whoever loves his life will lose it. And if he hates his life, loves it less than he loves Jesus, in this world will keep it for eternal life. I'm telling you, a million years is a long time. We're going to be with Jesus for a, a long time. It's worth the price. It's worth the price. Amen. Turn with me to Philippians 3. <clears throat> <laughs> eternity is a long i'm telling you you're not you are not going to miss out on some stuff when we get to heaven it's going to be so good you're not going to get to heaven and lean over your friend and you're like, you know heaven's really nice but i would kill for a pepsi right now i mean kill it's not going to happen philippians 3 philippians 3 verse 7 and he says this, but what things were gained to me, these things I have counted for loss for Christ. 
And at the end of that passage, he says, as rubbish that I may gain Christ. The stuff that I'm trying to get and gain, I'm counting them as nothing. You can enjoy stuff. He's not opposed to you enjoying stuff. But it is nothing compared to what we gain. Zero. Amen? We got to look at it that way. It's important that we see the things of life that way. We don't forsake doing right, doing what's good to our family, taking care of what we're supposed to do. We don't forsake those things. But God is first. Amen? (laughs) Thank you, Lord. So what does it look like when we're following Jesus? It affects our family, our business, our relationships, our careers. Everything in our life will be affected when we surrender to Jesus. He is not a taker. He's a giver. He's asking us to surrender something that's worth less than what he's offering. Always. We have to see it for that. We have to see it for that. I'm telling you, it takes, it takes some mature believers to stand outside of what you're facing, circumstances, situations, life in general, and go, okay, I can handle this. Why? Because I'm going to live forever. God's got this. I'm submitting it to him, the whole thing. I'm yours, Lord. You're dealing with this. When I give it to you, you take all my cares. I cast my cares on you, you take them. You said, don't worry, be anxious for nothing. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to be anxious. I'm going to serve you and watch you work in my life. He will do it. He will do it. He promised us. Amen? <laughs> Man, is it important. Recognize, recognize what the Bible says about suffering. Recognize what it means about sacrifice. Man, it's important. Thank you, Lord. So it's us. We're, we're the ones that need to change. The world has a phrase, ah, oh, they never change. People don't change. Ever heard that? You know, in the world, people don't change. They make little adjustments. They make tweaks. Guess where they end right back up? In the same mess. But serving the Lord, we change. Why? What's the difference? Because when you're born again, the real you, the spirit man on the inside is recreated. Brand new. Right now you have the life of God in you. Now you have the power to make the changes, but you still have to make the choice. But the power's backing you up. All of heaven backing you up to fulfill the call in your life. Come on now, that's the advantage. And if the world saw what advantage we have, they would be jumping ship from that mess and into into this ship. Because this ship's going somewhere, amen? We're setting our sails, going somewhere for the kingdom, for his glory. They don't see it. That's why they're not jumping ship. That's why. Y'all been there. We've been there. Well, we just thought we had it all figured out, right? I'm coaching 11 and 12-year-olds. They are right at the beginning of just knowing everything. You remember that? That moment you knew everything? They're right there. Man, sometimes it's tough to just get them to shut their mouth and listen, right? But we're doing the same thing. We think we got it figured out. We got to go to the Word. What does the Word say? So I'm teaching these kids, you know what? I mean, I'm giving, I'm giving these little nugget life lessons. <laughs> they, don't, they probably don't even realize it. It's fun for me. I'm hoping it sticks. I'm hoping I'm that coach down the road where they're like, you know, I remember a coach telling me one time that if I am teachable, that'll serve me well. We got to be teachable. We got to be willing to say, you know what? I don't have this figured out, but it is possible to change. If I go after the things of God, he can change me from the inside out. That's the only way. You can, you can paint the pig. You can pretty up the barn, right? You can make it all look good. But if you don't change the inside, we're not changing. We're not, you're just putting on a facade. The inside has to change. Yeah? I'm telling you. 
It's true. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. New Testament. Thank you, Lord. About the sixth book in. Romans 12. Familiar passage. Let's look at it again with fresh eyes. Amen? You haven't got everything out of this verse yet. Romans 12, verse 1. 1 through 2. It says this, I beseech you. That means I implore you. This is important. Pay attention. I beseech you, therefore, by the brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. If there is an acceptable to God, there is an unacceptable to God. Yeah? He's saying, come on now. You got to do something with this. You can't just let it go willy-nilly, do whatever it wants to do, right? You got to get after it. You got to tell it no. Make it do some stuff. I beseech you, present your bodies a living sacrifice, meaning you've laid it down. This is yours to command, Lord. Tell me what to do. I will honor you. I will lay down the things that I think are valuable and I will accept what you're telling me is valuable. Show me what to do. Present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He said, this is just reasonable. Everything that he's done for us, this is just reasonable. And do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world. There are standards we have set for ourselves, whether you realize it or not. You have standards. Most of y'all didn't just roll out of bed and come straight to church, right? You got up, you got dressed. Thank you for that. Got showered, thank you again, right? Combed your hair. You did a few things to prepare to come into this place, yeah? There's a standard that we set for ourselves, right? I can go three days without a shower, but four is too many. That's just too far. That's too much mess, right? The house can get this dirty, but not this dirty. It's a standard we set for ourselves, right? I'm, I'm willing to accept the pile of garbage this high, not this high. They're standards. Some of the standards we've let creep in and allowed the world to tell us what's okay. Yeah? A little bit of worry. A little bit of anxiousness. A little bit of doubt. (laughs) It's true. What you think about. What you're supposed to believe. The world's setting standards of what they think you should believe. And if you don't believe the same, they're going to cry out like crazy. Boy, do we live in a wild time, right? We're not jamming things down their throats. They're trying to jam it down ours, and it's not okay. Stand strong. I don't believe that. It might be good for you. I don't believe that. Pick your poison. A <laughs> little bit of gossip, a little bit of pot. We're in Washington, Right? A little bit of porn, a little bit of complaining, a little bit of dishonoring authority. Come on, just a little. It's okay. Everybody does it. Bake you some brownies and just put a little bit of cow poop in it. Just a little. You won't even notice. It's okay. Just have a couple. (laughs) I don't think so. Right? It's a little leaven that leavens the whole lump. It's just a little bit of letting it in that just starts wreaking havoc. What's going on here? I just let a little in. Well, it's multiplying. That's how sin works. And the world's telling you it's okay. 
and it's not okay. Well, our standard is set by what the word says. What God says is right. Jesus did not preach love and acceptance. He preached repentance and the kingdom of God. If somebody gives you that line, ask them to prove it because it's not in the Bible. He loved people. He ate dinner with sinners and he got chastised for it by religious people. Why are you eating with sinners? Well, how else are you going to reach them? You got to be around them to tell them about Jesus. There's stuff in our lives. We've got to just say, no, I'm cutting it off. I'm not going to allow a little, not even a tiny, tiny, tiny little bit. It's done. Cut the cord. Leave it behind. Yeah? Thank you, Lord. How we discipline our children. How much screen time we have. Our work ethic. Everyone slacks a little. Everyone talks about the boss behind their back. Everyone steals pens or paper clips or erasers or whatever. Everybody does that. World standard's not right. We're held to a higher standard. And it's good news because the higher standard puts you in a position where you can speak into people's lives. Not as a haughty, proud, arrogant human being, but somebody that knows who their God is and is willing to stand up to the norm and say, that's not right. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to listen to that joke. I'm not going to talk like that in this circle. I will leave. Somebody's got to stand up for what's right. At some point, they're going to notice you're different, and they need to. They need to notice that we are different so that they know who to go to when crisis comes. Because if you look like everybody else, they won't come to you. Come on now, we're called to be different. Do not be conformed to the world, be transformed. Don't be a religious zealot. Jesus wasn't. He was amidst the people all the time, but he was different because of the way he talked, the way he acted, the way he treated people. His standard was set, and he put the bar exactly where it should be. He was perfect. And he said in a scripture, we can be just like him. That means it is possible. In the epistles, Paul was talking to a church and he was chastising them because they should have been mature believers. He said, you should be mature now. You should be handling all the meat of the word and be skillful in your exercise of the word, but you have regressed and now you need milk again. You need the basic principles of the word again. And it's interesting when you do the timeline study of this, it was only a seven-year window between when Paul talked to him the first time and, and encouraged them right? Gave him the word. And then when he came back and said, what's going on? You should be mature by now. That's a seven-year window. That's a short time for him to expect a believer to be mature. It does not take 40 years. When you're following God, you can mature very quickly. Come on now. Don't think, well, I'm going to just be figuring this out for the rest of my life. No, you're not. Go after the word and grow up. We got to grow up and be mature, not be whiny babies. Not get offended at every little thing and so incensed by somebody that says the F word. They don't know. That's just in their vocabulary. Don't worry about that stuff. Right? Just love God. Love people. At some point, they'll recognize you're different. Come on now. (laughs) We get a little too religious sometimes, don't we? Just so, oh, oh. Can't believe they said that on TV. They don't know Jesus. They're serving the devil. They don't even know it. He's their little puppet. Until you serve Jesus, you are serving the devil. I mean, it's hard and fast, but it's true that you can't be in limbo. Uh, I'm not serving anybody. I don't believe in any of that. Well, guess what? Automatically, you're serving the devil. By default. You've got to serve and choose Jesus to serve and choose Jesus. He, 
He becomes your Lord. Then there's a standard set for us. We got to live right, act right, talk right. This isn't to be a daunting task. This is something that we just see a little bit of light, like today. We'll see a little bit of light and we'll walk in it. And the next week, he'll give us a little more light. And then as the months go and the years go, he'll give us more light and more light and more light. And I'm telling you, just like habits are formed in the natural, they're formed in the spirit. You form habits of doing the right thing. They become automatic to you. Bad words don't pop into my head and out of my mouth anymore, ever, ever. As a kid, yeah, thoughts come up. You're around it all the time. Thoughts come up. Now, anymore? Now I'd say stuff like pajama pants and monkey fuzz right? Smash my fingers. There's nothing wrong with just saying something obscure. And then I thank the Lord for healing me because I smashed my finger and it was dumb and I'm sorry. Thank you, Lord, for healing me. This bad stuff doesn't come up in my mouth anymore. I've trained myself. It's possible. Amen. Everybody say it's possible. Come on now. We can't be in the group of Christians that just think it's never going to happen and don't even try. We can't afford it. Jesus is coming. We got to get after this stuff. That phrase, I'm just a man, I'm just a woman, everybody does it. It's not okay. Did Jesus even teach that? Did he teach that it's not okay and that nobody's, or that it is okay and that nobody's perfect? Did he teach that? Oh, it's okay. Just a little bit of messing up. It's okay. No, he's like, fix it. Don't do it. It's not worth it. it the end is bad. Amen. I'm convinced, I'm convinced of this, that we're in, this, we're in this life, we're living this life, we're pursuing things like this, we're pursuing God, and God is training us for eternity. He's not bound by time, we are. There's gonna be lots of people, lots of Christians that are gonna be shocked when they get to heaven and they recognize they're in the first grade spiritually. You mean I'm in the class with the, the littles? Yep, head on in. Training time. We're being trained. I mean, we are learning to operate in faith forever. And that's not the ol our only goal. We're, we're operating in faith here to do what God called us to do, to do everything that he called us to do. And it's gonna require faith. We're in faith school. I don't wanna be one of the ones that's shocked. I know I'm gonna have to get some training. I know I'm gonna have to learn some more. In heaven, we'll have to learn some more stuff. Heaven's gonna be fun. Heaven's a big place. There's gonna be lots to do. Man, it'll be good. We won't just be sitting around gabbing for a thousand years. There'll be stuff to do. God's got plans for us. It's fun. It's going to be good. Real good. Well, we got to think about that. Okay, Lord, show me. I want to learn. I'm one of those guys that does not want to come in knowing nothing. I want to learn something ahead of time so when I get there, at least I understand what's going on. Right? If there's something to learn and that we're going to be prepared for something, I want to learn it. We got to be that way. Like, Lord, show me. Teach me. Show me what to do. Amen. Turn with me to Ephesians 5. You guys doing okay? Ephesians 5. The Lord's helping us, isn't he? Just Isn't it kind of a wake-up call? Like, we got to do this. Come on, don't we? We got to get after it. <laughs> There's a reward for being faithful. Ephesians 5. Let me tell you this too, since we're on the subject of heaven, just, just mull this over. Heaven is not socialist. Thank God. All the houses aren't going to be the same. All the rewards aren't going to be the same. 
There's a reward to go after. There's a prize to go after. Some people will make heaven because they're born again and they made it by fire. The Bible says the judgment by fire. Everything that they did in life that they thought was valuable will be burned up except for what they did for the kingdom. And somebody will make it in with their spirit and soul intact. Thank the Lord for his mercy for that. Amen? And then others of us say, that's me. We're going to come into heaven triumphant, victorious, with reward coming to us because we are willing to follow after the King of kings and Lord of lords. We are willing to lay down what, and sacrifice some things in this earth for the reward. Right? The houses are going to be different sizes. The rewards are going to be different. We can see that in Scripture. The unfaithful servant didn't receive a reward. The faithful one, the one that had the most talents, got double. He got the extra. Oh, surely God wouldn't do that. He would take from the most and give it to the least. And we'd all have even, and it would be wonderful. Not how it works. It's not how it works. I'm telling you, I'm sorry if that burst your bubble, but we got a job to do. And you won't be able to stand by your spouse or your family or anybody when you're standing before the Lord. He's going to say, did you do what I asked you to do? Well, no, nobody's there. Uh, Oh, boy. Okay, just stay with me. It's okay. Jesus still loves you. So do I. (laughs) Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, offering as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication, that's sex outside of marriage, the covenant, and uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you. Now let me just address, let me address fornication in a sec- for a second, because I think the young people need to hear this. The world standard is, it's okay. It's okay. Whoever, whithever, as long as it's consensual, it's okay. That's the world standard. The phrase that just bugs the tar out of me is, you got to test drive the car before you buy it, Right? <laughs> That is a horrible, horrible analogy. That is not test driving a car. When you commit like that in a sexual way with another human being, that is like breaking down the engine, tearing it all apart, looking at all the parts and pieces, and putting it back together. No one does that before they buy a car. You're trusting that the car maker adhered to the standards that were given them and that you're getting a good vehicle, amen? When you're test driving a car, when you're test driving a relationship, you're going out on a date. You're spending time with them. You're meeting their family. Test driving a car. That's a terrible analogy. It's terrible. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. Sex is designed for the marriage relationship. You do not have to have it all figured out before you get there. Some of the fun is figuring it out when you get there. Come on, wake up and smell the coffee. We, can't, we cannot live like the world and expect godly results. It is not okay. Somebody's got to stand up for what's right and say, I'm not doing it. Abstinence is a cure for sexually transmitted diseases and pregnancies. It's amazing. So be thinking about that. Be, be willing to be different. Don't, don't yield to that pressure. Because I'm telling you, young people, you will be pressured. You will be pressured to fall into this. Don't do it. 
be the one that stands up and says, that's dumb. Are you kidding me? Do you know all the risks associated with that decision? And if that's all your friends want, they ain't your friends. Get new ones. We'll help you. Ask your parents. We're good at it. (laughs) We can pick you good friends. Okay. Let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, right? That's filthy jokes, ungodly stories, gossip, talking about junk, evil, this, that, and the other. Don't even go there. Don't even go there. I mean, I've heard people tell me stories and I'm like, do you even know you're saved? Why are you telling me that? That's horrible. I don't want to hear that, right? Careful, watch what you talk about. Even if you think that they think it's funny, don't tell those stories. Just walk away. Come on now. We're bigger than that. We have the son of the living God, his spirit living inside of us. We got to make different choices. He's telling us, don't let, don't let these things creep in. They don't, they're not helpful. These are not fitting, but rather, he says in end of verse four, give thanks. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, or covetous man who is an idolater who has any inheritance in the kingdom of God, of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. That means other men telling you how to act and live or telling you what is right. Let no one deceive you like that. The media is trying to tell you what is right. Don't let them deceive you. Don't let them deceive you. Pay attention. Pay attention. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Stand away when the lightning starts. (laughs) Hmm. That was a joke. God's not enlightening anybody. He will judge us at the end of the age. He's going to take care of business, right? Distance yourself from those people. Tell them about Jesus. Let them choose, amen? For you were once in darkness. Thank God. Everybody say, thank God I'm not in darkness. Glory, not in darkness anymore. But now you are the light of the world. Walk as children of the light. Walking in the light is doing whatever you know to do is right. Living what you see is right. That's what walking in the light is. It's doing what you see to do is right. That's walking in the light. The truth and the light that you know in the word, doing it. That's walking in the light. Don't don't walk in darkness. You're not children of the darkness anymore. Don't do those things anymore. It's not in your nature anymore. The flesh needs to be crucified. (laughs) Amen? Say no. I'm not going to do that. Amen? But the fruit of the Spirit, verse 9, is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. So if it's good and it's right, and it's truth, that's fruit of righteousness. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. Find out what is acceptable to the Lord. Find that out. Amen. It's important. Find it out. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done to them in secret. Did you hear about what they did over there? Don't even do it. Just leave it alone. It's not your business, not your job to tell anybody about what they're doing over there. Amen. But all things are exposed and made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. The Bible says that we're called to be salt and light. Why is that? Salt seasons. It makes things taste good. It preserves things. Light always wins against darkness. When you are the salt and the light, people will see that. The reason why people don't want to hang around with a lot of different Christians is because they're living in darkness, and darkness does not like the light. But I'm telling you, there's coming a day in their lives when they're around you, and they're going to want to come to the light. They're willing to expose the darkness. And I'm telling you, that eradicates stuff. Because when the light shows up, darkness leaves. There's no battle. There's no struggle. 
There's no fight. We're called to be the light, walk in the light. Amen? And it goes right with what the Lord told us through prophecy that God's going to give us opportunities to be the light. He's going to give us chances to say, no matter where you're at in your walk with the Lord, you have something to share. You have a testimony. You have something you can give to someone else that has less than you, that knows less than you. Somebody needs to hear that Jesus loves them, that he's not mad and angry at them anymore. Jesus paid the price. It's a free gift. This is easy, easy to come into the kingdom of God. Somebody's got to hear that, and it's going to be you. Say, that's me. I'm light. Thank you, Lord. He said, see then that you walk circumspectly, wisely. Come on now, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, verse 17, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of Jesus Christ. Man, we're called to live different. That's what it looks like to live different, to be a disciple. There's something different about us, and it should be noticeable. But it takes a little step, and a little step, and a little step, right? And a little step. Just keep doing the right things, the right things. It's not like we write out this huge list of, I got to do all this stuff. You just start working through what you know, and it becomes habit. It becomes part of who you are. And it's not that you forget it, but it's now second nature. And then you work on the next light and the next light. This is what it means to follow Jesus. I'm telling you, it's better for you. It's better for you. We, we learned this in the natural, right? We've learned to grow up, to not act like teenagers anymore, hopefully, right? To be wise with our time, to be faithful on our jobs. These are benefits to us. If you're not faithful on your job, you will lose your job. That's not a benefit. When you're faithful to the things of the Lord, there are benefits to following after and doing what's right, being a disciple, amen? So let me say this in close. John chapter 8, verse 12, he says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, and he said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. He who follows me. Man, it pays to follow Jesus. Because if we follow him, he will not lead us into darkness. We will have the light of life. You guys guys may be this person, and I'm sure you know somebody like this, where you're just around him, and it just makes you happier. You've been around people like that. You're like, man, I just like hanging out with them. I just, I feel better about myself and life in general when you hang out with people that know Jesus, that have some light on the inside of them. Have you noticed? We're called to be those type of people. People should leave and go, man, I had a good time. That was encouraging. Not, let's never go back there again. Right? There's just something different. It's what we're called to be. It's what we're called to do. I'll say this to you. In, in our standards, things will change as we go because we get more truth, we get more light. When I was in Bible school, and I emphasize, I was in Bible school. We visited a friend's house who happened to be, uh, it was Cody and I visited a friend's house that happened to be a, a pastor's house and his daughter. It was a friend of Cody's and we drove across state to visit and hang out and see the church and all that. And we were hanging out one night and we're like, well, let's go rent a movie. So I go rent a movie and it's an action film, which at the time I had, no problem with. Knew it was rated R, rented it, brought it into his house, watched this movie. He lit me up, and I deserved it. And at the time, I was like, huh? Because my standard was lower than it should have been. But he's like, you can't bring that stuff into my house. 
We don't watch stuff like that in my house. It's not right. What they're doing, what they're saying, the stuff on the screen, it's not right. And I, and I respectfully, I didn't sass mouth them. I respectfully, you know, apologize. And, and boy, that just stirred on me for a while. Like, why, why, why is he so picky about this? And I'm telling you, as you grow in the Lord, you start to recognize, I don't need that junk in my life. I got enough stuff I'm filtering right now. I don't need to add to it of my own free will. He was right. It didn't belong in his house nor mine. We got to say no to some stuff. We got to say no. The world says it's fine. You'll be fine. You're strong enough. You can handle it. Come on now. Set a standard higher than that. Watch what you put in front of your eyes. And especially if you're dealing with any kind of stuff. Any kind of pull on depression or anxiety or addictions of any kind, don't watch him do drugs on TV. You shouldn't watch it. You shouldn't look at it. It will not help you. Cut it out. Oh, now you're just being religious. No, I'm trying to help you. God's trying to help us. Don't make it harder on yourself, right? You don't go to fat camp and they serve chocolate cake. That's just mean. It's mean. You don't do that. You learn how to eat right. Thank you, Lord. We are responsible for what we see. We're responsible for what we put in our eyes. We've got to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Amen? We've got to do it. That's our job. It's our job. And we can do it. He's empowered us to live right, to do right. Do you guys get anything out of this? Can I pray for you?